All right. So, um, so I was, we're going through this study on, on body life and, um, we're talking about identity and how our life is hidden in Christ. I literally just touched on that. And then this, this question came to me, um, recently about an Enneagram. Let me ask you, how many have heard of an Enneagram? Enneagrams, how they say it. So like, do that again. So seriously, two of you, one of you, Ron, you had your hand up. Who else? Okay, two of you. So most of you haven't heard about this. So you're like me. I hadn't even heard of this thing um, um, until I heard Mark Hall, who sings for Casting Crowns. He has a song about checking your enneagram. So I was like, oh, what is that? I thought it was like a a uh, like the little icon picture you put on Facebook or on that. You know, I thought it was like your image. So I looked it up, and I'm like, it's like a personality test. I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. So I didn't really think anything about it. <clears throat> but... Uh, Recently, I've had some more questions about it, um, and particularly, should we be using that in church? I was like, oh. So I did a little research, and I wanted to just mention this. So uh, it doesn't sound like most of you guys. I'll go through this quickly. It doesn't sound like it affects most of you. But I did want to put this out because I, <clears throat> I did a little research and um, spent some hours on this, kind of checking it out. So let me just start off with, you know, what is an Enneagram? E-N-N-E-A, but it's pronounced like Annie. Enneagram. Um, it's this. It's this, have many of seen this thing? It's like a nine-point chart on. Uh, it's kind of purported as a, as a, uh, you know, personality chart. Uh, and that's the question: Is it simply a personality test? Does it have uh, ancient origins? Is it created by occultists and New Age teachers? Uh, is it useful in the church? And what is the difference between this and any other personality tests like Myers Briggs? So I just want to quickly touch on this, and I'm also doing this on a Wednesday night because uh, I can, and it's a good place to stay. I'm not going to do this on a Sunday, uh, but I'm also putting this on the record. So if anybody has any questions, we can come back and refer to this. Uh, so uh, quickly, uh, what is an Enneagram? Well, Enneagram just is a Greek word for the word nine. And Graham, of course, you guys like Graham Cracker? No, not like Graham Cracker. Graham means written or drawn, so it's just it means literally if we were to if we were to just have a literal interpretation, it would be the nine gram, right, the nine drawing, uh, which gets you back to that little thing that looks kind of funky. Uh, it's not too scary, so don't freak out about it. It's uh, Some people are like, oh, it looks like a pentagram. It looks like a dreamweaver. Dreamweaver is a little closer than pentagram, but I don't know. I wouldn't, get, I wouldn't use that as a justification to yay or nay it. So Enneagram uh, does sound sophisticated and marketable, so you can charge more for an Enneagram than you could a nine-point personality test. So, uh, <clears throat> so that's you know that's part of the deal there. All right. So is an Enneagram a personality test? And this is really the issue. Uh, and you're going to be like, why do I care? You'll find out why here in just a minute. Yes and no. It is a personality test, uh, but no, it is more than a personality test, and that's what makes it different. Giving away the ending from Myers Briggs. And those other personalities tests that you all are probably familiar with, you know, the otter and the, the lion and all that other stuff, you know, they got all these different personality tests. All right, so the design of the Enneagram is actually to lead a person on a path to discover their self. And so that's a very clear, uh, this is clear from their own literature. So while understanding attributes of personality is not a sin or even a bad thing necessarily, uh, the scripture does warn us strongly not to walk in the flesh, but in the spirit, right? We know that. Walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill us, the flesh. So let me throw out a few verses here for y'all. Oh, well, you can't even see that. I can't see that. You might be able to see that. You can see it up there, Baron. I can in the back. Uh, <clears throat> so hang on a second. I got notes just for this very reason. 
Where, did, where am I? Okay. So the Enneagram teaches um, that there are nine motivations that drive individuals. And this is not me saying this. This is what they, I'm getting this from their own publication. There's nine motivations that uh, drive individuals. And in other words, there are core motivation for each style, meaning a person finds his or her type, not primarily through behavior, but rather through understanding the why behind the behavior. This focus within each style is one of the key aspects that differentiates the Enneagram from personality profiling systems. All right, so this is what the Enneagram people are saying. They're saying we are different from personality profiling systems because we're asking the why, okay? I'm not saying this. This is what they're saying. Additionally, the history of the Enneagram indicates the discovery of your number is also found in the recognition within oneself, and that is... That word oneself is meaningful. Uh, the particular passion, also known as vice, <clears throat> corresponding with each style, though often hard to admit and even harder to accept, this recognition of one's core passion or vice is vital to his or her growth because the passion or vice sabotages the person's gifting and strengths within their number. So this is, a, this is actually why it's a nice little segue. We're talking about identity in the body of Christ, identity in Christ. Now, these folks are focused on self, and as it goes on, uh, and I'll keep going, it says, hence, the invitation to learn the Enneagram is an invitation to recognize what is motivating individuals to be who they are, as well as the invitation to to recognize why people do what they uh, do, both in strength and weakness, gifting and vulnerability, and recognize how that motivation and unhealth falls prey to their numbers, passion or vice, sabotaging their gifting and strengths from their expressed uh, from being expressed in the world. All right, so that in itself is just kind of, well, it's kind of like a lot of the mumbo-jumbo you hear in those personality tests. The last thing it says is once this recognition of motivation with passion or vice comes, the Enneagram then offers, this is where it gets, it starts to get a little crazy, wisdom for movement toward health in one's number. So you're you're defined by your number, and then you get movement in this number. And the place for one's true self so we've talked about one's self, and now one's true self is revealed, which enables the unveiling of the gifting and strengths of that individual. All right, now that's coming from the Enneagram uh, Insight, you know, dot com, and uh, it's it's kind of their own stuff. Okay, so just reading that, you might think, well, what's the big deal? It you know, it doesn't it does say it's not just a personality test, but you know, they're trying to sell this thing. Uh, and that, by that's what, that's the link uh, where you can get that. You can find all kinds of stuff out there about it. Okay, so <clears throat> so is it a personality test? And well, if it isn't, what's wrong with seeking one's true self as a solution to improving our lives? That's the question. Um, and so let me give you some biblical answers for that. Uh, Jeremiah ten twenty three says, "O Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not man that walketh to is is it." It is not in man that uh, walketh to direct his steps. So Jeremiah 10, the Lord's very clear that it's like, hey, don't don't look to men in, within to direct your steps. Don't look to ourselves to do that. So there, right away, is there's a contradiction. Psalms 39 and verse 5, Behold, thou, and you guys know this verse, Thou hast made my days as a handbreadth, and mine age is as nothing before thee. Verily, every man at his best state is altogether vanity or empty, meaning there is no substance. So that is a fundamental 
distinction between how the human is viewed, a lost human is viewed. There is no distinction with Enneagram. As a matter of fact, it's quite the, it's, there is a presupposition that men are good with the Enneagram. Um, and, and this is actually a, a tool of enlightenment uh, to find your better self, your, your high, a, higher, a higher version. If you're familiar with Eastern religion, it's finding a more enlightened self and getting a higher, kind of like a higher chakra, having more wisdom. Anyway, I'm not, I'm not going to say that it's necessarily going there, but there's a lot of that in there. Anyway, let me keep moving here. So there's nothing in man's self that lends itself to self-improvements. So that's the fundamental biblical truth. And it, I mean, and I, and I know as I say this, there's going to be people out there that are like, oh, no, Brian, you know. You're going a little too far with this Enneagram stuff. That's not how I use it. Okay, I'm not worried about it. I'm just, I'm just giving you the premise of it, and I'm giving you the Bible, right? So I'll wait till I'm done before you make any judgments. Uh, furthermore, looking to ourselves for self-improvements is counterproductive to the Spirit's work in our lives, right? So we don't, we don't want to do that. If we're going to improve, we need to. There's no doubt that we all need to improve, but we really need to be transformed, not reformed. And so. Uh, Romans 3.23, again, everyone, not everyone, but many of us know this, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. As Christians, that's where we start because it's true. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Proverbs 25.27 tells us that it is not good. This is actually the first verse when I was, this is before I studied it. I just got on and started reading about it, went to their own pages and started reading just what's on the face of it, what they say. And before I even studied the background and all this history that you're, I'm going to throw at you here in just a minute, I just came away with Proverbs 25, 27. I just, the Holy Spirit said this, this verse, it is not good to eat much honey. So for men to search their own glory is not glory. I mean, that was just, the, that was just the first verse that came to mind. And all these other verses kind of came as I, as I studied it out a little bit better, but uh, there's a, I could go on and on with verses like that in the word of God. God's very clear. Of course, Paul uh, deals with this very extensively in Romans chapter 7. <clears throat> he says, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. We're not looking for the higher self. We're not looking for a better self. As a matter of fact, in our flesh dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. You're not going to find it in yourself. Um, for... Uh, the good that I would do, or I would do, let's see, for the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now, if I do that which I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. So, you know, my flesh is is, is sinful. Verse 21, I find in a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. Why? Because of his sinful nature. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. There is an inward man that loves the word of God. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. And then the, 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 the reality that we all face, verse 24, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? And the good news is, he says, I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord, the person of Christ, right? So then with my mind, I myself serve the law of God and with my flesh, the law of sin. So the re- and, and, of course, then we get into chapter 8, and we deal with the, the reality that if we're in the spirit, we're not in the flesh any longer, and, and we're as good as dead, buried, resurrected. Okay, so all that, you know, Romans is the thesis on all this, but that little snippet, again, just, just corresponds with what we saw in Jeremiah, what we see in Proverbs. I mean, it's just, 
it's the Bible's replete with with clarity that you're not going to find any enlightenment in your flesh. Okay, so so <clears throat> let's talk a little bit about the nine personality types. I mean, there's nothing wrong with these, is there? And I would say not really. So if you're not familiar with them, I'm not so scared of the Enneagram numbers that I'm afraid to talk about them. Here they are. You can find them online. Uh, the first one is is just the perfectionist, motivated to make things right. Uh, ones are ethical, edu- uh, ethical, dedicated, reliable. They desire to live the right way, improve the world, and avoid fault and blame. This motivation is most often turned toward themselves to be perfect or at least right. And therefore, they are vulnerable to first turn with judgmental anger and resentment toward themselves for not being good and not avoiding mistakes. They then subsequently turn in judgmental anger and resentment toward others. <clears throat> the passion or slash vice is judgmental anger, resentment. So there's people that read that and they're like, oh, I'm the perfectionist. That's my number. Right. Or whatever. Uh, the next one is. <clears throat> um, and by the forgive me, I didn't give you any handout. So if you're taking pictures or notes along the way, that's it. i tell you what I can do, too, is I can save this and put it up online uh, so you can have it for posterity and anybody wants it can have it. Uh, style 2 is the helper, <clears throat> and uh, uh, they're motivated to help and serve. So someone who is a number 2 or warm, caring, and giving, I think it takes like two or three hours. to you got to put all your data in, and then they give you their, your number. It pops out. This is who you are. So now you know your identity, not in Christ, but in the Enneagram. So uh, these people desire to be loved and needed and avoid acknowledging their own needs. This motivation means that twos give give to get, which leads them toward their passion or vice of pride. This pride is not one of arrogance, but rather a pride of independence, believing that they don't need to be dependent on anybody uh, else for anything, but everyone else depends on them. Okay, so that's okay. Moving on, three is the performer. Um, so threes are image conscience, wired for productivity and efficiency. Uh, they desire to be uh, or appear to be successful, avoid failure. The, the motivation means threes either achieve their success or fake it, crafting the image of success that they believe others want to see. This image of crafting makes threes vulnerable to their passion or vice of deceit, uh, deceiving others. Even more so, deceiving themselves from their own sense of authenticity. Now, by the way, <clears throat> reading these, I'm like, yeah, those are definitely people types. If you want to classify people this way, n- not a problem. There's nothing like supernatural about this. Um, and, and so that's why I don't have a problem just throwing it up there. Um, the romantic is motivated to see. This is number four. Uh, uh, they're motivated to be seen uh, for who they are. They're creative, sensitive, moody. As I read these, you may say, oh, I'm one of these. They desire to be understood, to experience their oversized feelings, and to avoid being ordinary. This motivation leads to for, uh, <coughs> the forge to craft an image that they think people will understand, which in turn leads to their passion or their vice of envy as they see others uh, who seem to be uh, uh, seen for who they are while they are being um, uh, missed or misunderstood all this internal motivation leads fours to often feel like they're too much for others while never being enough in their own eyes i just feel sad for them all right number five um not really um this is the let's see what is this the investigator so the investigators motivated to take care of themselves uh independently fives are analytical detached and private the desire to gain knowledge and conserve energy, energy, avoid relying on others. This motivation leads them toward their passion, vice of greed, 
as fives become greedy for information as a means of finding security from their fears, as well as greedy for their privacy and independence because they only have so much energy for each day. And their, their thing, their passion is greed. So I'm like, some of these, I'm like, I can see a little bit of my flesh in every one of these things. <laughs> so, yeah, just pick one. But you got to do a two-hour test and probably pay somebody to get through this. Anyway, style six is the loyalist. Um, uh, the loyalist is motivated to find security by doing their duty. They're like, <coughs> or they're uh, likable, committed, responsible. They're worst-case scenario thinkers who struggle to trust their own thinking and desire to manage their fear by finding security through authorities. This motivation leads sixes to their passion or vice of fear and anxiety because their lack of trust in their own internal sense of authority leads them to search for authority to which they should uh, do their duty. In their minds, by doing their duty uh, to ascribed authority, they find security. And their their vice, of course, is fear and anxiety. Okay. Uh, and then seven, I'm trying to get through these as quick as I can, is the enthusiasts. Uh, these guys are positive uh, to avoid pain. Uh, spontaneous, fun, adventurous. They desire to be happy, to plan stimulating experiences, to enjoy life to the full. This motivation leads sevens toward their passion or vice of gluttony. Uh, la da 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 da. And uh, it's all a smokescreen to avoid the sevens uh, re- uh, uh, really fear the internal world of pain, disappointment, disappointments, and uh, difficulties. So they're gluttonous and they're pleasure seekers, right? All right, so moving on, kind of kicking that one to the curb. Eight is a challenger, <clears throat> not a car. This is a person motivated to use their power to keep from being controlled. <clears throat> Eights are commanding, intense, and confrontational. <clears throat> they desire to be strong and avoid feeling weak or vulnerable. This motivation leads eights toward their pass, passion or vice of lusts, the constant pursuit of intense experiences where their power keeps them from being controlled. Through this pursuit, eights avoid weakness, vulnerability, and two uh, attributes in their mind that, if revealed, would allow others to potentially control them because these guys are control freaks. Oh, I missed that one. The vice didn't show up. So the vice, what is the vice? Lust. So I, I'm sorry, I didn't get that on there. I must have messed up. All right, so then the number nine, number nine, the mediator, number nine. What was that? The Beatles did that, number nine. You play, you ever hear that song, number nine, the Beatles did? You play it backwards, it's supposed to have a message. Anyway, um, that's a, that has nothing to do with the Enneagram, but uh, maybe it does. I don't know. But number the uh, the last one here, or yeah, style nine is the mediator, motivated to stay connected as to be uh, unaffected by life as possible. Nines are pleasant, laid back, unaccom- or, or they are accommodating, not unaccommodating. They desire to keep out external chaos so as to ensure inner peace, namely by avoiding conflict that leads to fragmentation. This motivation leads nines toward their passion and vice or slash vice of being slothful uh, in the minds of nines. The less that they do is asserting themselves. <clears throat> uh, the, the less that they do in asserting themselves, the less uh, likely their peace will be disturbed. So this sloth is expressed in most nines uh, as the result of struggling to uh, get going, a lack of inertia. All right. So there's, there you are. All right, so there's the nine. And if it's just those things, I'd say, whatever. So what is wrong with the nine personality types to assess myself and others? I mean, really. Brian, what is your problem? I'm glad you're asking. So um, <clears throat> my problem is my flesh, just like you. All right, so 
they're not scientific and they uh, cannot be personal uh, and they cannot be as personalities can can and do change so just just in general it doesn't matter what test you do whether it's myers-briggs or it's this or whatever none of them are science actually scientific in the sense that they're absolute um, empirical evidence with any of them you're dealing with a, a, a pseudoscience and so and I'm not saying that to knock any of them either. I am not saying that they're not valuable. I've done Myers-Briggs when I was in the business world, you know, and they had the one with the where, you know, you're a dog or you're an otter or you're a whatever, and they kind of type you into four or five animals or whatever, and you're one of these, you know. That's kind of fun stuff to do, and it kind of helps you categorize people. And there is some, you know, some, I guess, some sort of wisdom and understanding that people have different personalities for sure. <clears throat> um but what we see, we see this in the New Testament, that disciples are, are transformed mentally, spiritually, and eventually even physically. So when we're going to get into the world of the Bible, the problem with this is like churches are using this right now like as a tool, and they're promoting it. A lot of churches, I found out. I didn't know that. I'm so behind the times, so I didn't know. Um, but So this is like a tool a lot of churches are using, which doesn't surprise me. And that's where you need to be careful. Because it's, it's, there's a different mindset. When you're focusing on self-improvement versus transformation through Christ, it's a completely different, completely different thing. This isn't discipleship. This isn't even, this has nothing to do with the Word of God, frankly. It's a pseudoscience. In this case, it's worse than that, and I'll get to that. This is actually a, uh, well, I'll get to that. Let me hold my tongue for just a moment. But <clears throat> uh, in the New Testament, let me stick to the, the notes here. In the New Testament, a disciple is transformed, right? And mentally, their thoughts are changing. Um, even physically, once we believe the Word of God, we're changed internally. But our adoption <clears throat> is that in Romans 8, physically, we will be literally transformed. We will literally be like Christ. That's what 1 Corinthians 15 is all about. So our getting saved transforms you in every way. I mean, literally, in every way, mentally, emotionally. And even physically someday at the resurrection. That is the hope of the gospel. We are completely and utterly changed. We are a new, not creation, creature. We are a new being in Christ. It is Christ in us, the hope of glory. I mean, there's so much to that. So Peter, let's use examples of the New Testament. Peter started as a fisherman, right? His personality type was whatever it was, you know, whichever one you want to pick of the nine. Uh, you know, the type A guy, whichever that one was, the commando dude champion, whatever he was. I don't know. I don't remember the name of it, but one of those like seventh or eighth down. And so that's Peter, right? And he's a fisherman and he's and he's always out front and he's always eager to go, go, go. And he's following Jesus now and something happens. And he starts as a fisherman and then he turns to be a fisher of men because that's something he can relate to. So Jesus is all about person. He did an Enneagram, said, Peter is, no, no, that's not what happened. He knows how people are wired. He's not against that. He uses that, something they're familiar with, like Moses, just take what's in your hand, Moses. That's what we're going to work with. Moses is another good example, a man who was transformed. Once was a prince of Egypt, and then he's a shepherd, you know, 40 years later. And so, I mean, we change. That's why this is a pseudoscience. People's personalities not only can change, biblically, they should change. We should be more like Christ. You don't want to be static. You don't want to be pigeonholed by your flesh. You want to be a new creature in Christ. So Peter's an example of that. By the time you get to 1 Peter 5, Peter is writing an epistle as a shepherd, charging everyone to be shepherds, 
And he started off as a fisherman. And he's the opposite of what he started off. I mean, like 180 degrees, the opposite. Now he's patient. He's managing the most difficult transition in the, in the Bible, going from Old Testament to New Testament, dealing with the apostle Paul and the gospel given to Paul, shaking hands with him, dealing with Judaizers. I mean, Peter had the most difficult responsibility, and he had to have the most patience, and yet he started the opposite of that because Jesus transforms us into who he is and who we need to be for the kingdom of God. All right, you kind of get what I'm saying. Same thing with Paul, right? So at one time, Paul, he was zealous for the law to the point he was killing people because of his religion. And then by the time you see him in the end of the book of Acts, he's the opposite of that. He is dying. He's being he's willing to be killed and murdered for his religion, right? At one point, he's so zealous, he's killing and murdering to advance the cause of Judaism. But at the time you see him at the end of Acts, he is willing to be killed and lay his life down for the cause of Christ completely transformed uh, that was not based on their personality types that's not based on a, on the myers-briggs it's not based on the enneagram that's based on christ in us the hope of glory so so okay brian so what is wrong with using the nine personality types um you know what is the what is the deal what's what in the world so um so paul was 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 transfer transformed all christians are called to be transformed in the image of Christ, not transformed to be the best version of themselves. And that's that's the fundamental problem. You guys know Romans 12 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given unto me, uh, uh, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought. But to think soberly according as God had dealt to every man the measure of faith. He's actually warning against thinking too highly of yourself. The issue is not to think of yourself. It is to renew your mind. To be um, not conformed to this world but to be transformed. And that transformation is going to be more like who? Jesus. It's not going to be your higher self or your better self. There is no better self. Uh, and so it's just a fundamental conflict with the, the Bible. For that reason, thumbs down. Uh, I'm not saying if you took the test and you got a nine or a five. I don't care. That's fine. But don't 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 bring it into the church and use it as a spiritual tool. Uh, and I'll give you more reasons for that. There is a difference between the Enneagram and many other uh, popular personality tests. This test is actually. Uh, a stated tool for spiritual development and has been promoted from its inception as a, a Gnostic tool for discovery of one's true self um, and path. Now, that's not me saying that. That's what the, even even when you even some of the stuff I read earlier uh, from their own websites, if you actually listen to what they're saying, you can actually hear some of that in it. But I mean, if you're if you're not into that new age business, when you read over it, you don't think much about it. If you're not already sensitive to Eastern meditation and all of that, you just don't. It doesn't hit you, and I get that. The problem is with all of this is it's developed by and for new agers. The Enneagram is not something that just rolled up out of history and it's been used for centuries as they purport. As a matter of fact, that's a lie. It's actually new agers that have developed it. I mean, it's. Auto-written, meaning someone was like, oh, I had a spirit that, de- you know, we would call it demon-possessed, that wrote this through me. I mean, that's, that's problematic at best. Um, 
And so these terms are very clearly used in New Age movement and astrology and are the basis for the development of the promotion of the Enneagram in the very first place. So uh, there's a former astrologer. Her name is uh, Marcia Montenegro, who has written and spoken on the origins and parallels of the Enneagram theology to occult practices in the New Age movement. Uh, she was a former, you know, uh, astro- astrologer, not astronomer, astrologer. Uh, her contention is if you're going to use the Enneagram, Enneagram in a church setting, you might as well just go ahead and bring out the tarot cards because it's about the same. You might as well go ahead and go with the Zodiac. Get out the horoscope because the tools work, but that doesn't mean they're right. Right. That doesn't mean they're they're They should be used. Right. So you see what I'm saying? This is coming from someone who was on both sides. Um, so, yeah, but all these things are lawful, Brian. I mean, they're just tools. Shouldn't they work in the church? That's always the question. Um, and so, by the way, I would, if you're interested in reading someone, Marcia Montenegro, she's got a lot of videos, but she's wrote a book as well. It's easy to understand, simple, concise. Um, and so anyway, so that position that the position of many churches in the United States is that very subject is that, you know what? It's just a tool. Um, we don't adhere to the mystical and the occult, but we appreciate the benefits of having a framework to assess personalities. And so for us, it's no different than Myers-Briggs. And by the way, Myers-Briggs, though, the different, there is a difference. I, I'm going to tell you it's dangerous. Myers-Briggs does not say this is a theology. Myers-Briggs is not trying to lead you to any enlightenment. Myers-Briggs is not trying to advance yourself. Myers-Briggs is just an assessment of personality. That's really all it is. So are all those other tools. This one is actually, the, the premise of it is not that. As a matter of fact, in its origins, initially, it was, a, it was some sort of a chart, charting the, the Zodiac. It was some esoteric thing that some guy started in the late 1800s. It, wasn't, it had nothing to do with personalities. And so, um, so what we have here, and this is why your pastor says this is dangerous, um, because what we have here is, I think I might be behind on my slides. Yeah. Um, a practice called syncretism. Anybody know what syncretism is? Somebody want to give us a definition of syncretism? Let's see. We're, this isn't on. I'm going to turn it on. Pat, you want to tell us what syncretism is once this thing fires up? There you go. It's on. Okay. Well, I'll give you a short version. Synchronism is where you take, like, uh, the world's philosophies and and kind of like we're talking about here, even cultism and and take the, the practices that the world uses, and then you apply it to the to the Bible or to the church, and uh, try to work out something in between that makes yeah. it both work. Yeah, you just kind of meld it together. And um, a good place, if you want to ever see this in action, a good place, uh, like if you ever go to uh, Brazil, a lot of it, so you'll walk in and you'll have, probably down in Guatemala too, I don't know, You'll have uh, in voodoo stores, you'll have the voodoo dolls here, and then right across you have all the saints and all the little icons here for Rome, and there's no distinction. It's just syncretized. In India, you got the Hindu gods, and then there's Jesus and Mary and Joseph and everybody else, and they just synchro- they just they're all synced. And so they just they just like, hey. So I should have brought the book out here. I got a book in my office. Uh, there's a guy uh, who wrote a who wrote a theology. For this, and he did this for Christianity. So that this practice, um, secretism, uh, syncretism, uh, is is what he did in the probably the 1990s. 
as this was coming out of the New Age groups uh, and getting into the Christian realm. Um, and so you can say, yeah, but Brian, all things are lawful. Uh, not all things are expedient. <clears throat> yeah, you can say that, and you can read whatever you want, including your personality types in the Enneagram. Um, and, you know, I just read them to the whole church, so I'm not, like, scared of them. There's nothing, like, spooky about those nine types. Um, <clears throat> but the, the, the reality is the concept of trying to find your higher self is demonic. That is not a biblical concept. So you've got to watch that. Um, and so, yeah, all things are lawful, but not all things are expedient. And, uh, and so you've got to be careful about this process of finding oneself. So anyone who embarks on this path to find some, some improvements, um, they're not going to find Jesus. And they're not going to do it in the power of the Spirit of God. So so just because it works, again, doesn't make it right. It doesn't mean your life will improve. It just won't make it right. Uh, in fact, it's wrong to entertain doctrines of devils. So you have to be careful. <clears throat> so, next question. Does the Enneagram have ancient origins? Uh, the answer is no. So my first uh, read on this, it was, yeah, this is ancient. Uh, the fellow, uh, I forget his name, um, let me see if I can find that in my notes here, get ahead. Richard Rohr, that's his name. Richard Rohr goes on with uh, the narrative in the 90s when he wrote his, his theology basically on this and synchronizes, synchronizes it with, um, with Christianity, at least Catholicism, let me be more specific. Then um, <clears throat> he brings in a bunch of, of lies that have been debunked uh, somewhere along the way. So the, the history is, is promoted by Richard Rohr is that this is ancient. These are what the ancient you know fathers have always gone with, and it helps us have spiritual discernment, blah, blah, blah. That's actually not the case at all in history. Um, let's see, where am I at? So a fellow by the name of George, uh, I think it's pronounced, I don't really know how to pronounce it. I'm going to take a stab at it. Uh, Gurdjieff. Uh, back in 1866, 1949, developed the original Enneagram map for cosmic reality. had nothing to do with the ancient origins. Uh, there was no ancient origins. He came up with it. So it's not that ancient. And so, number one, it's, it's a mystical tool to help find what's called the fourth way. The fourth way is in part what has developed into what we call now the New Age. So this goes back to the late 1800s, early 1900s. So that's where it started. And this guy came up with this map. It was a cosmic uh, reality pointer. I don't know exactly what he was using it for. It was a mystical tool. So then a spirit guide named uh, Oscar Achazo, uh, 1931 to 2020, so he just died a couple years ago, used it in his occult school in uh, Arica, Chile. And he is the one who introduced it to Claudio uh, Naranjo, I think is how we'd say his name. And so Claudio Naranjo, who died in 2019, stated publicly that the ancient history was not true and it was simply stated to give credibility. So he came out and said, ah, no, it really wasn't created. Uh, it isn't really an ancient tool, but, you know, it helps market the thing. So, you know, he at least was honest about that. Uh, and it's been fully debunked as far as its origins now. What I'm giving you, is everyone knows, is the origin. Um, and so uh, does the Enneagram have ancient origins? No. It does not. Let's see. So Claudio, after this guy Claudio comes along, um, 
Then we have, uh, he took his New Age occult Enneagram idea to a New Age think tank called, uh, I think it's Esalon. That's actually an, ac- that's an acronym. It's an abbreviation for some probably esoteric something, 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 something out in Big Sur, California in the 1960s. So they're all, and I, I don't know, I assume they're probably all smoking dope, getting naked, doing whatever they're doing out there, beating the bongos. There are some theologians that literally describe it that way. I don't know. I haven't been there. Uh, but they take it out there, and the concept was developed of the Enneagram as we know it today there. That's where it comes from. Um, and it was in, in this New Age think tank. So, um, and so from there, that if it, if it was just that, it wouldn't be, you know, whatever, have your Enneagram. Um, and so for years, you know, it was just 20 years or so, it's been working with new age practitioners. If you go to, uh, there's, there's, this stuff is common among psychology today. There's a lot of this being interwoven even today, um, outside of the Christian realm. Uh, so the con, that's, it's just, it's replete because again, a lot of it is pseudoscience to begin with and you can't really nail it down. And so this is where it gets a little, this is where your pastor says, wait a minute. Uh, this fellow named Bob, uh, I think it's Oaks, Oaks, O-C-H-S, is a, is a Roman Catholic priest. And he's hanging out out here, you know, beating the bongos or doing whatever, smoking some dope, whatever he's doing. He's out there with the New Agers in California. And he gets a hold of this, and he's thinking, hey, this is cool. Um, and he gets Richard Rohr involved, and he's also a Roman Catholic. And uh, they like the, tax, the tactics of... Uh, uh, they, they use the same tactics as uh, Gudrith did, and they, they claim it's an ancient Christian tool. And then I got a book in my office. I, I bought his book. It's, it's a theology book. He creates a, a – he just basically takes the New Age theology, mystic theology, and just Christianizes it in his book and then claims that it's ancient, and it goes back to the, you know, the early church and all of those other things, and it helps you have spiritual discernment. As a matter of fact, I mean, his, this isn't me saying that. His, his own words, um, um, I think I got them here. Uh, no, it does, I don't. I got somewhere I had, I had his own quote on that. So, Roar uses the same tactics uh, to do that. So, um, where am I at? I'm losing my way. So, does that? So, uh, the false presumptions of the New Age uh, by New Agers and Catholics is that the true self is good. That's at the end of the day. That's the problem. There's a false assumption. This is, you know, like not much different than the Methodist where you have a spark of fire and you just got to fan that flame until it's a divine spark. Uh, these guys are starting with your own flesh. And, and so it's, it's completely uh, it's erroneous theologically. So, uh, so the implication of this false doctrine is that one can improve self, which we know our, self has, our, our flesh has to be killed. It has to, be, it has to die. And we got to be, we got to need to be a new creature in Christ. So we cannot improve self. We must die to self and be filled with the Holy Spirit of the living and eternal God. So the nine evidences of our personality should be manifest by the fruit of the Spirit, by the way, not by self-help. It's interesting that they got nine personality types and we got nine fruit of the Spirit. Uh, And so the implication is that uh, maybe in your church, uh, but, you know, can this be used as a, as, you know, in your church because truth is truth and that's one of the other things that you're going to hear a lot of well all truth is god's truth if it's true then it's from god and that's one of the things that people that promote this would say and i would say not around heartland 
It's not just not all truth is God's truth. A good example of this was when we first started the church. There was a there was a philosophy that that to do outreach and evangelism, you need to build bridges, build bridges. This was like all over Christian circles. I got the book finally and read about it. And as I as I read about it, I just got the novel idea. I was in the business of construction, and I'm looking at all this and I'm reading all this, and it's just like not setting well with my spirit. So I open up the Bible and I'm like, well, let me find the bridges in the Bible. You know how many I found? None. And then God brought me a very important principle. It was like, Brian, I'm not asking you to build bridges. I'm asking you to cross rivers without bridges. That's how I do it in the Bible, supernaturally. What is building a bridge is something a man can do. I need to, I'm going to do something only I can do, <laughs> right? And so God really showed me a really important. Now, is it wrong to build bridges? No. I'm not even saying using some of those methodologies that were in those books are wrong. I'm not, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, but there's these things. Well, if it's true, it must be God's truth. Well, no, God has, he has absolute truth and he also knows how to properly apply the truth. So these things, you got to be careful with it. Uh, because, uh, you know, here at Heartland, we reject Gnosticism, which is a secret knowledge of the ancients and enlightened, uh, an enlightenment that is not found expressly in the scripture. That's what a Gnostic is. Someone who has a secret knowledge, not a knowledge that you can get a hold of, not a knowledge that I can get a hold of. I'm up here last Sunday morning ranting and raving about you got the book, you got your Bible, you can understand who God is, you can have your appointment with God. Why? Because the devil wants to rip that out of your head and your heart. And these kind of things will do it. you got to go to some secret guy that has more knowledge than you because he wrote a book this thick on theology, blah, blah, blah. But hogwash. If it's not in the Bible... Kick it down the road. It ain't no good. And so, of course, Gnosticism was around even before Jesus. That's what. The, that's why the Stoics and the uh, and the, uh, the Sadducees and the Pharisees. I mean, that that debate was going on before Jesus showed up. So these are things that uh, that are the devil's been working for quite a while. So uh, we reject um, Gnosticism and we reject uh, the notion that all truth is God's truth. When Satan speaks a lie, he, he presents it as truth, not just not thus not all truths are equal. It can be true that the fastest way to, to the top is to step on people. That's true, but that is not how God ordered it, right? God doesn't want you to step on everybody. That violates God's truth of how Christians conduct themselves. So God's truth trumps that truth. Jesus is clearly the way, the truth, and the life, John fourteen six. So there's not many paths to perfection nor enlightenment. There is one way. And it's through Jesus Christ, not humanism nor mysticism. So Romans 3, 4 tells us that God forbid, yea, let God be true and every man a liar, as it is written, that thou mightest be justified in thy sayings and thou mightest overcome when thou art judged. And there's a little bit more reason for me to talk about this than just the Enneagram. I mean, I'm not that exercised over the Enneagram, and I'll tell you why here in a minute. But I will. what I am exercised about is this spirit that creeps in the church. And I've seen it, and I've seen the damage it's doing. And uh, I'm just like, Lord, don't let it come to Heartland. Um, so what's the difference between this and the other personality types like Myers-Briggs? You know, I've already touched on that. Um, you know, again, th- those are tests, and they're not trying to take anyone down a path or prescribe a theology claiming to give spiritual discernment or even greater enlightenment or even improvement of self. The, the creators of the Enneagram claim to have auto-written those nine personalities, and that is stinking scary. I mean, I don't want I don't want to sit around and and, and follow um, the nine points of anything that was auto-written. 
That that means they believe that a spirit guided them in the in the you know, like stairway to heaven, man. Just just oh yeah, five seconds and I wrote that song. It's the best song ever. I mean, there that stuff is man. I'm telling you, I'm not into that. So do you think it's just a fad? So this is the good news. Yes, I do. I've been a pastor here at HBF. We've stepped over several things since I've been here. We had the humanistic pseudoscience uh, test promoted a spiritual gift test. How, you remember those guys? Anybody remember the spiritual gift test? Again, that's another thing that I was like, I actually, I, that came out after Myers, you know, during that Myers-Briggs kind of season back in the 90s. And I'm like, wow, this is a lot like what I was doing at work. It has nothing to do with spiritual gifts. It's all about personality. Uh, no. So you never had, you never saw us taking spiritual gifts tests, tests here at Harley. Now, I do believe in spiritual gifts. I got a whole session on it. I, taught, I made a whole little teaching on it. And I'll roll it out here in one of these Wednesday nights for a few weeks, and we'll go through it. Uh, but it is nothing like what you get in most of these spiritual gift test um, seminars that they used to have. Those are, again, those are kind of fads. Those have come, and those are gone. Uh, and so that we can talk further about it another time. So there's tests. Uh, th- these tests don't try and, and take any. Oh, where am I at? I lost my way. Uh, I better look at the screen. There was Beth Moore, right? How many remember Beth Moore? Yeah, she was a hot topic, and then she gets off and writes uh, these books on contemplative prayer, gets with these same guys. It wasn't Roar, I don't think, but same type of guys, mystical guys, same theology. Next thing you know, uh, the the more you go into your closet and the more you grunt and groan, the more ascetic you get, the more mystical you get. Guess what? The more closer you get to God, and it's like, where's that in the Bible? Yeah, there's some wisdom in getting away, and there's some wisdom in... And and all and some of that, but it was going, it was going down a road of mysticism. So we nixed that because that was the cool thing. And then Splunkna, most recently, most of you probably haven't heard of that around here, but up in Kansas City, man, that and some of our sister churches, that was that was raging a couple of years ago. Splunkna, Splunkna, which Splunkna is just a, a Greek word for bowels, uh, affection, inward, tender. Uh, and so again, you always got to take a Greek word to make it sound fancy, you know. But basically, it's uh, it's Eastern mysticism, you know, your shot, your energy fields that you have with, with uh, uh, where you poke everybody with the acupuncture. You know, you got these energy fields, and it tie. It's kind of like like that kind of a of a concept adapted to Christianity again, synchronized, and uh, it's an energy field concept. So. Um, the idea is that you can have this great discernment and understanding of the inner man. I don't even, I, it's, it's, it's like witchcraft. I mean, I wouldn't even touch that stuff. So I would just say that, that these things come and they go and they're fads. But be careful because it, these pseudoscience things these, that go off into the mysticism, Gnosticism, and asceticism end up taking people off, taking churches off, off course. Because they all under what they end up doing is undermining the authority and the actual uh, more than ju- the authority, but also the application, practical application of the word of God in our lives. So be careful to uh, prioritize scripture uh, for all discernment and judgment on spiritual matters. Again, the Holy Ghost will kind of just tell you. I mean, they're talking about mysticism. Now I'm the mystic, right? But if you read your Bible every day and you start reading this stuff, the, the Holy Ghost literally will say, hey, take a note here. Something ain't right about that, son. And and if you just listen and you pay attention to the word of God, he will reveal this stuff. So it's not like we got to run around scared to death or worried. 
you know, First John 4, 1, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits where they are of God, because many false prophets are gone into the world. Second Corinthians eleven thirteen. Uh, it says, for such are false, uh, such are false prophets, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it's no great thing if his ministers also be transformed into ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. So, I, what I would caution you to do is don't freak out over the Enneagram. That's not why I presented this tonight. So relax. You don't have to be scared. God hasn't given us the spirit of fear. But just be careful. Eve went too far, right? She was too scared. And next thing you know, she's adding to the Bible words that God didn't say. So you want to be careful. We don't want to get legalistic about stuff. Um, And we don't want to misquote the scripture and make it say something it doesn't. So we're constantly bombarded, though, with occult New Age messages. I mean, every day of our lives here in America. Uh, And so the scriptures, what it does is it sanctifies our mind and keeps us from getting caught up in these false doctrines that come. And so the danger of Gnosticism, mysticism, and asceticism is that if you are given uh, to any of the three of those aspects of, uh, of anything taught, you need to correct your heart and theology and run from whatever's drawing you away from Christ and his grace because all of those are going to work against grace. They're all going to draw you back into a works-based mindset, if not of salvation, of sanctification even. Now, obviously, there's aspects of sanctification in which we... We obviously have volition, and we can do and not do things, but still it's grace, and you got to be filled with grace. These things will take you away from grace and put you back under the yoke of bondage. You're going right back to Galatians again. You're going right back to works, and it's the same cycle that Paul was fighting, just different uh, from the first century. So um, what is Gnosticism? Just in case you don't know, that's a secret knowledge. Gnostic is gnosis or knowledge. Uh, you know, people are trying to attain or they believe they possess and you got to come to them to get it. Um, mysticism typically goes hand in hand with Gnosticism and asceticism. The mystic is a believer in their tra- uh, transcendence to God or higher self in this case, even through the re- uh, even through the rejection of the material in front of their uh, in front of them in the form of asceticism. Oftentimes they reject the material world for a mystical world, a spiritual world. Again, there's some truth to that. There is a spiritual world, but we don't get there through self-deprecation or smoking some peyote or whatever. So, uh, and then there's asceticism, which is the, uh, the ascetic believes that they achieve a higher uh, spiritual status or enlightenment through denial of the flesh uh, or the physical world. So you can see that, of course, in old, uh, you know, uh, asceticism from the first century in Europe or uh, the whole Hindu system is set up on that. That's why your chakras continue to go up. Start in your loins, which is the most basest place of your of your enlightenment or lack thereof, and then as you go into your mind, and then after out of that, you know you're really getting getting high and meditating into some higher plane of of consciousness and all that bologna. So uh, that's all baloney, and you need to be careful because it's in everything. If you've dabbled in it, as I did when I was lost, I'm a, probably a little more sensitive to it because I can see it in a lot of these things, and I just reject it. So. Um, so let me end on this. Biblical Christianity is grace, and all the other false ways are based on works and man's wisdom. So there's only two paths. If you want to get into the paths, there's two. It's works or grace. There's your two paths. There's not four paths. There's not a fourth path. There's not a new age. Um, there, there is a, There's two paths, and one is works and one's grace, and there's only one way, and the way is Jesus Christ. So that's my, that's my uh, 10 minutes, uh, which is a little longer than that. 
uh, on the Enneagram. Are there any questions on this before we move off of this? I got 15 minutes before the others come in. Yeah, Ron? Let's put him on a mic for the recording. Can you run that back? Sorry, Ron. We're we're getting to you. Dead batteries are a problem. Okay, yell it out and I'll repeat it. Probably are. It's in a lot of businesses, a lot of a lot of churches. It's just kind of one of the. It's just like the old Myers Briggs. The reason it's it's. Uh, I got a book by I forget the fellow's name. It's called the Trojan Horse of the Church or whatever. They some people feel like it is a little more deceptive, in that it is actually coming in as a legitimate personality test, but it's driving a a different agenda. Which you know I'm like, well, sure, you know, but if it's not humanism, it's mysticism. So. It's, you know, either way, it's it's kind of a false teaching. Um, Christians don't. I would say this: Christians don't need to be too bundled up about it because if you put the Word of God in you, you are able to process through all of it. Um, and so, at the same time, I wouldn't recommend as a pastor you you just hey let's just get these nine types out and profile everybody in our church because now you're going the wrong direction. And and also not to call it out is uh, I also think equally. Um, Foolish. Am I doing something wrong? Is that wrong? No, I don't know what the Okay. The Enneagram. <laughs> so Pam, yeah, I'm gonna have to re- I don't I didn't repeat Ron's Ron's uh let me say this real quick. So for those that were wondering what we were talking about, Ron was saying that he's uh, heard on a program about how they were trying to get this into the school system and my response was I'm certain I'm sure that they are. Yes, ma'am. Oh, ego. Yeah, which is self. Yeah. So uh, Pam, for those that are listening, Pam, Pam is saying, and Pam is a, uh, you have your degree, you have a degree in psychology, and you practice uh, not as a psychologist, but in the counseling world, legitimate counseling world. Um, and so uh, she's saying, if and correct me if I'm wrong, that she knows a couple psychologists, psychiatrists, professional counselors who are um, utilizing the Enneagram nine points to get people to the higher ego, yeah. is what they're calling it. So their and their ego is where the source of their power is. So, which and again is is kind of just the same thing, different names, but yeah. And that's actually the same. The same. Uh, I, I heard a very interesting debate on this um, with uh, a theologian uh, versus uh, this 
this lady that I was telling you about, they were going at it. <laughs> and uh, it was a very good debate. It's somewhere on YouTube. Uh, some British guy's narrating it. And at the end of the day, you get down to this issue of, uh, you know, this it, it, origins doesn't matter if it's true. All truth is God's truth. The stuff I was just rejecting, the stuff that I've seen take Christians, you know, off, off course. Um, because truth, yeah, there's, I get the wisdom in that or the thought behind that. But at the end of the day, context is everything. And even in the application of what we presume to be truth, um, the devil knows how to use truth too. So we do. We got to be a little smarter than that, um, and more a little, have a little more. Speaking of the spiritual discernment, we need to have to, that kind of discernment. Um, so I do. I do in this in the uh, counseling world, in the, both the psychiatrists, psychologists, and the professional counselors. There's a lot right now of, and I'm, I'm I won't tell you how, but I'm familiar with. A lot of this new age and, and uh, Eastern, I call it Eastern um, philosophy, is is synchronized, uh, not because of Rome, uh, but because it's it's been synchronized in the minds of a lot of these uh, psychologists. For whatever reason, I don't know what school they're going to, but that's that is a reality in many cases, even ones that are clinically and, and technically approved. So, be careful with that stuff. Any other questions or comments about this subject? All right. Well, I'm not. I, I'm not going to jump. I was going to jump into my other session, but I'm not going to do that. So, sorry about that, Jesse. How'd you get two things? The body life ready. So I was going to get into that, but uh, I'll, I can talk about that in just a moment, I guess, as I'm killing some time for the next session. But we're going to have we're going to have the uh, um, patch the pirate kids come in and sing here in just a little bit. So we're going to be watching them in about seven minutes so um so i i just uh i just would encourage you guys on this on this subject that whatever this will come and this will go this enneagram thing it i do think it's kind of faddish um but something else will come right behind it you know so just kind of kind of keep those three things in mind um not the words and the big words gnosticism asceticism asceticism mysticism but realize that there is the devil's always trying to replace the absolute truth of god's word with these Gnostic type of this higher knowledge, uh, this mystical learning, this um, this works based system that you're always on the treadmill trying to self improve, self improve, self improve, and it's all just a highway to hell. And so, just be careful with that because it takes a lot of different shapes and forms, and it's pretty subtle in some ways too. So, um, and I think this is one of the more one of the reasons I took a little time with it is. Uh, I know in our church there's different positions on this. Some from probably just ignorant, don't know any different. Uh, that's why I say be kind. You know, don't, if someone's doing the enneagram, oh, oh my gosh, that's of the devil. You're gonna go to hell. Well, not really. If they're born again, they're not going to hell. Number one, they probably don't know any better, and it may not even hurt them yet. So you know, you might you might let them know, hey, you gotta listen to that thing Brian said about that. You know, but I don't want people to feel like. You know, we shouldn't be divided. Don't let the devil divide people up over stuff like that either. That's foolish. Uh, God has a way of helping us see through those things. And I know people that, that, you know, that were into spiritual gift tests and all of that. And, you know, they're, they're still orthodox. They're still on track. They're still going. You know, I never, you know, got up and railed on all that. I just, when I had an opportunity to teach it, I just taught it. You know, and I don't think I had any influence on anybody but Heartland. So that's fine. I'm not worried about it. God just kind of seems to takes care of his church and uh the truth of god's word takes care of a lot of that you know just preaching the word and it'll it'll keep you straight 
So God's good. All right. Um, interestingly enough, I, I will just I'm going to just pick up on something real quick on our where we left off last week. The last the last thing that I was touching on was uh, in our notes was Paul builds on the on uh, he builds uh, this. We were talking about Romans chapter six last week on being. Um, let's see. Yeah, right here is where I left off. Uh, in Christ, you're a dead man. So it kind of goes hand in hand with what we're talking about. Again, and I mentioned how this is an important reality for the Laodicean church age. So the salvation has transformed us from being dead in trespass and sins to being dead to sins. This is exactly the kind of stuff that helps you straighten out these, these other philosophies. So Paul builds on this to teach us that we are dead to the law. And and so it is important to understand that. In Romans chapter 7, I guess I don't have that on the screen. It says, Wherefore, my brethren, ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that ye should be married to another, even to him who has raised him from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. For when we were in the flesh, the motions of sins which were by the law did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. But now we are delivered from the law, that being dead wherein we were held that we should serve in newness of spirit, not in the oldness of the letter. And so another verse that Paul, uh, do I have that in your notes, the references there in Romans? Another one is Romans there in chapter 6, uh, the, previous, the previous chapter. He says, for sin shall have not, in verse 14, sin shall not have dominion over you, for you're not under the law, but under grace. You're not under the law, but under grace. And that's exactly ultimately how I just ended that presentation. You know, your grace is what this stuff attacks grace. Uh, another another passage I have that was listed for tonight is Colossians 2.10. And ye are complete in him. You're complete in him, uh, which is the head of the church. Or I'm sorry, the head of all principality and power, in whom also ye are circumcised with a circumcision made without hands and putting off the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, Buried with him in baptism, wherein also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead, and you being dead in your sins, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, and so which was contrary to uh, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. So as far as our old self, it's all nailed to the cross. Ephesians 2.15 says, Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, right, the war, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace. So God has, um, man, God has taken care of, of our flesh, and he's nailed it to the cross, and we are completely new creature in him. So uh, we have been transformed. Again, all of that goes very much contrary to what I was just talking about with the Enneagram. So um, it's a really interesting. So I'm going to stop there, and I think is uh, I think I think they'll be ready to come in here in just a minute. I see that Luke's dismissed. So what we're going to do is have Patch Club come in, and uh, as we're waiting on that, is there any are there any testimonies this week? Has anyone witnessed anybody? Sh- shared the gospel with anybody? Yeah. Yes, I got.
Yeah, you got I got to share the gospel uh, with a guy at the fitness center um, this past week. And, uh, man, it was just so refreshing because a lot of times, I mean, that's a place I go to a lot. So, you know, it's a place that I need to be sharing the gospel. It doesn't always happen because people are trying to work out and sometimes really busy. And, you know, it was just I was waiting on a machine and there was a younger uh, kid um, that was about, uh, I think he was about six, 17. Uh, he was a junior in high school at Grandview. And uh, he was getting off the machine, and I, you know, just started, uh, I said, are you through? And and he said, yeah, go ahead, and started talking to him and got into a conversation. And uh, he was talking about football and going out for the team. And, you know, it just, the conversation just kind of naturally worked in to uh, the gospel and being able to, you know, give a little bit of my testimony 